life, and politics with Republican leanings. Welcome to Famila and Friends, the show that mutes the sound bites and noise pollution to bring you the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear. Hosted by nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Famila and her team of friends tell it like it is, and no topic is off the table. Get ready to cut through the clutter. Now here's your host of Famila and Friends, Famila Ramos, on The Answer San Diego. Good evening and welcome to another installment of Family and Friends. I'm Family Ramos coming to you from sunny San Diego with my very cool and very hip friends, Kalina and Serena. Where are my girls at? Yeah. <laughs> hello, 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 lovely ladies. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hi guys, Kalina O'Connor, the tatted beast. <laughs> yo, 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 what's up? It's Serena Robella, your local hype beast. Welcome I'm back, so ladies. Cool. Welcome back. And as always, working hard to get this show out to you is the one and only Producer Todd, give it up for our hottie toddy. Yeah, hottie toddy. Yeah, so hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, producer Todd, always pulling up, you know, hanging out with our crazy antics, dealing with us. We love you. Yes. <laughs> Speak you guys for make your... it fun. <laughs> Speak for yourselves, guys. I just started not too long ago. Oh, careful, Serena. Get with the program. You don't want to be canceled. Whoa there, Kalina. <laughs> don't scare the baby. At least she's not walking around with that Marxist fist in the air, you know, spitting yeah. out obscenities <laughs> and picking on everyone who doesn't agree with her. Right? Oh, oh, I hate communists. I think we all do. It's the commies that try to cancel everything all because their feelings are hurt. Yeah. You know, they brainwash each other and now trying to brainwash our kids with their disgusting hysteria. I mean, they embed this twisted ideology in our schools by breaking down the nuclear family. It's disgusting. I mean, you're right. You're totally right. Trying to create Nazi sympathizers and foot soldiers. You know, start them young so they could grow up to be agreeable communists. <laughs> right. I mean, do these people drinking the commie Kool-Aid even understand what they're doing? What are what the consequences are? I mean, like they say, it's easy being a communist in a free country. Try being free in a communist country. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And to the ones behind this agenda, stop brainwashing our children. <laughs> yes, stop. Stop brainwashing our kids. Please, just stop it. Stop it. Bad Nazis. Bad. Bad. <laughs> so bad. Okay. So, Pamela, congratulations on the San Diego Republican Party endorsement for the school board race. <laughs> wow, Pamela, right? looks like you're legit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, it's like the MC Hammer song. Too lit. Too legit. Too legit to quit. <laughs> Please. Am I a good I rapper? Was, yes, but I Amazing. was always legit. That's true. <laughs> so hold on. Tell us again why you're running for school board. Of course, I'd love to. I'm running for school board for the same reasons I ran for the very first time and for the same reasons why I ran for Congress. Yeah. For my family, for every family out there, I'm running to stand up against the insanity of what the liberals and the enemies of America are doing to people, especially our youth. They're planting seeds. They have no business planning. As a mother, I'm appalled at what they're doing to our children. Quality education, learning about the stuff that really matters should be a priority for our children, not agendas. Okay, you're not alone. I, You know I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to my niece and she was telling me about the ideas she learned and it was just scary. Uh, like what? It was like a page from Karl, Mar- Karl Marx, you know, about the working class and the class struggle, how capitalism isn't about equality, how the black man will never be free in a capitalist society. So the typical communist rhetoric is divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. This is why they're so mad at Trump, because he's uniting everyone, right. guys. What do you mean by divide and conquer? Oh, young Padawan. <laughs> One example that comes to my mind is how the communists during the Vietnam War specifically targeted black soldiers with pamphlets stating how America hates blacks and under communism, blacks will be treated as equals. You know, that's freaking insane, but I think it's brave of you to run for school board, <laughs> especially being a Republican in Chula Vista, is, isn't it primary Democrat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's a big contradiction. Chula Vista is primarily Mexican, and the vast majority of Mexicans are hardworking people who value principles. And it's ironic that they align themselves with the Democrat agenda. Ooh, you sound like a racist. <laughs> but, but going back to your point, the devil likes to play games, right? You know, hopefully they vote their values. So, Famla, what can you actually change at the school board level? You know, change isn't easy. Currently, everyone on the Chula Vista school board is a Democrat supported by the unions and their own special interests, and not the children's or the communities. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought unions are there to support the people and the workers. Just because people are workers does not necessarily mean they're communists, you know? Mm-hmm. I, well, I get it. But for one, the unions place themselves in positions of power in order to exclude others from getting jobs. They threaten employers. They create a situation that violates the free market. Most importantly, they manipulate and pay off people in order to get power and remain in power. And don't get me started on the teachers' unions. Do they really have 
the children's best interests in mind. Mm. So if elected as a school board member, you'll be the one voice against all the Democrats. You know, won't this be difficult? <laughs> Let's take it a step back. Okay. According to the California Board uh, School Board Trustees Association, the job of a school board member or trustee is to set direction and establish an effective and efficient structure, provide support to the supervisor, ensure accountability, and provide community le- leadership as advocates for children, the school district, and the public schools. I'm not going to lie. It sounds very vague. <laughs> I know, right? But if you compare it to a corporation, the trustees is uh, the board of directors and the supervisor is the CEO. As a board member or as a trustee, even though I may be the only voice of reason, <laughs> much can be accomplished by working across party lines. Like our past guest, Senator Joel Anderson, who's currently running for supervisor, he was able to pass 100 new laws despite being in the super minority. He was able to convince other lawmakers on the importance of ideas and serving the constituents as opposed to just serving the party. As a trustee, you can call attention to issues, you know, especially at the board meetings. If you push hard enough on certain subjects, especially the ones that matter most to parents, the other board members may vote along with you, mm-hmm. you know, plus the position is nonpartisan anyways. You know, you haven't mentioned tonight's guest, but I do see a theme here. You know, I can't hide anything from you, Kalina. <laughs> Our first guest is a technology entrepreneur and energy industry executive. He is the founder and chairman of Voterfied, a premier platform for secure and verified voter engagement that powers constituent outreach for off office holders at all levels. The Voterified platform offers candidates and office holders the ability to conduct issue-based voting using secure blockchain technology. Michael Allman is an accomplished CEO and board member with a proven record of optimizing businesses through leadership, strategy, innovation, and execution. And? I'm getting to that, Kalina. I'm getting there. (laughs) And he's a candidate for the San Diego Union High School District. I knew it. I knew it. You should have you should have had five on it. I got five on it. <laughs> wow, Kalina, should we call you the all-knowing oracle? No, no, Kalina's just fine. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> so go ahead, family, and introduce the next school board candidate. Well, there, Nellie. Slow down. Slow down. <laughs> You're sorry, family. I'm a fast car. Right. I think Serena's confused now. It's an, it's an inside joke. Inside joke. But getting back to the show, our second guest is not a school board candidate, but a real entrepreneur who was inspired by educators from grade school to high school. His experience with these mentors helped pivot him to establish an internationally renowned cancer immunotherapy hospital. Ed Clay is a former undefeated MMA fighter and runs the number one cancer immunotherapy hospital. You weren't even close. Oh, you hush. Whatever. <laughs> Stay tuned to hear from our interesting line of guests. You know, so earlier the, um, this week, Dr. Volma Wooten announced the schools in San Diego County are able to open for in-person instruction, yet many are still opting for distance learning. You know, first off, I think as parents, we should be given the option if we want our kids to attend school. Second, I'm sure we're all responsible enough to take the proper precautions and follow protocol. I mean, who really wants to put themselves or their children in harm's way, right? Yeah. I mean, let's use common sense to deal with this corona nonsense. Yeah, and how about those blown up COVID numbers? I mean, we we all know the real stats, guys. Most mm-hmm. of the people who died from COVID had comorbidities, and the tests are way too sensitive. Mm-hmm, they are. The data is all screwed. All a cover up for the pedos to get away from with evil, and for the commies to screw the election. I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry, I said that. You know, it's it's right though. This turned out to be such a debacle. Most parents don't even have the time or the luxury to rearrange their work schedules, and all because the lazy union teachers <laughs> would rather collect checks for doing nothing. You know, Mason School was totally, totally unprepared, and it's been a nightmare. You know, my daughter doesn't even, uh, she didn't even get a device. I had to prime an iPad last weekend. I mean, imagine the kids out there without a device or a Wi-Fi. Distance learning isn't education. Not everyone learns the same, and it's really tragic. Imagine how many kids will fall behind. Yeah. I mean, it's really like we're setting them up to fail at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to fall behind. I mean, my heart goes out to the students and to the parents. Yes. Thank you, family. Thank you. (laughs) But, you know, what are they learning in school anyways? My neighbor was telling me about some notice they wanted parents to sign, stating that they won't observe or listen in on class instruction. You know, I would never sign anything like that, ever. I know, right? My daughter's in dual immersion and I still listen in, even though I don't know Spanish. But, <laughs> but good luck getting that sign. I mean, totally absurd. I mean, with what's going on today, I want to know what the kids are being exposed to. And it just seems like real education isn't taught anymore. It's all political. Exactly. They never teach the kids about the greatness of America, about the greatness of the times we're living in. Instead, they feed the kids this garbage about how terrible the world is, how terrible Donald Trump is. They teach disrespect. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. And education should be black and white, reading, writing, math, science, and unedited, unbiased history. I'll teach my kids the rest. Thank you. Yeah. I don't have kids, but I can only imagine. You know, you're a child yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Serena. Aren't you still in school? 
And are they trying to indoctrinate you? You guys, I'm a free thinker <laughs> and most importantly, a hype beast. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, what I can't stand, I, I can't stand behind the hypersexualization of our kids. Mm-hmm. It's unnecessary mm-hmm. and disgusting. And I wouldn't have known it if we never talked about it on the show. You know, I agree. Base it on science, not pornography, right? But, yeah. I mean, they focus kids on politics and sex when they're young and came up with this common core, which causes confusion in the minds of kids. And instead of the kids learning science and math and other core subjects, they're becoming emotional wrecks. You know, that's why I'm running, to protect the children, to raise awareness, and to be a voice for their parents and the children. That's what I love about you, family. You know, you realize that your job as a trustee is to represent the views of your community, you know, to the district and the views and situations of the district to the community. You're being a bridge. You know, the issue is that everyone has different ideas and most people all want what's best for children. Unfortunately, most of them are unaware or have been brainwashed, like with this corona nonsense and Common Core. <laughs> common Core is a deception. It's progressive indoctrination that smothers independent thinking and stifles into an intellectual development. I mean, it effectually trains students not to think and and by emphasizing skills over content, process over product, and relative standards over absolute ones. Didn't George Bush come up with the Common Core? I mean, it doesn't make it a good thing. Our kids are farther behind compared to other kids in other countries. And California ranks towards the bottom compared to the other states. I mean, imagine that number now with distance not learning. <laughs> right? I mean, I get it. It's terrible. With Common Core, thinking is the only articulation of opinion. It has no bearing on truth. This means that people don't really need to critically think and understand what they believe. You know, um, and they all they need to do is have a viewpoint and force others to conform like they've been forced to conform. Mm-hmm. They engage in arguments where the loudest voice wins. Yeah. They pressure instead of persuade, like commies. <laughs> so common core in the big picture leads to tribalism, groups of people united in feeling and opinion, but not in reason and truth. I mean, sounds about right. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. You know what I was afraid of, like, with the distance learning with my daughter? She came up with her iPad in the bathroom while I was in the bathroom, using the bathroom. And I'm like, no, 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 no. no you need was to she on a Zoom back. call? Yes. <laughs> oh, Google no. Class. Oh, you no. know. It was horrifying. Yeah, that's terrifying. Oh, you know, it was so funny because my college class, they had to make a rule where people had to be clothes for their zoom calls <laughs> oh my goodness people, people were naked in their are you kidding me there wasn't that rule yeah she, oh were they actually naked yeah my teacher had it or my professor had to say hey guys um one of the biggest rules is you have to be wearing clothes during your class oh, zoom goodness. calls how dare they stifle I know, you i know how dare <laughs> well the kids they're saying that the kids have to be dressed like they're going to school that's what my yeah. teachers keep saying to my kids yeah they can't wear pjs or anything yeah when, yeah. you know, when this first started, Cove was wearing dinosaur costumes like a couple months ago yeah, when it first yeah. started in all his Zoom classes. And now they're like, no, you have to be really dressed. I'm like, ew, guys, whatever. I know. The party poopers. Yeah. You no, we're in a living room learning, okay? I know. I know. I mean, they're the ones doing this to our kids. Yeah. And yeah. then they, we can't dress up like how we want to. At least they're not naked. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And then, well, yeah, with me in the bathroom, right? Yeah. That, that would have been horrible. That's horrible. so embarrassing. I know. I that's know. so funny. <laughs> Stay tuned, guys. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Welcome back to Family and Friends, and joining us here tonight is entrepreneur and school board candidate Michael Allman. Always working hard, always believing. Ladies, let's welcome Michael to the show. Welcome, welcome. Hi, Michael. Hi. (laughs) First off, Michael, tell us how you're doing. Everything's great. Thank you for asking. Awesome. Love in San Diego. Awesome. So it's, you know, it's an honor for citizens to have someone of your tenure and experience running for politics. Please tell us about your business career. I know you've had some tremendous accomplishments. Oh, well, thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, I just turned 60 this year. So I'm almost a 40-year business career. Whoa. Way back in 1982 when I graduated with a chemical engineering degree and started my career in Chicago. Nice. Uh, Yeah, I continued my education at the University, University of Chicago where I earned an MBA from their business school and when I look back, I realize that everything I've been able to accomplish in business has been built on the solid education that I received and a lifelong desire to learn. That's why I'm passionate about education and why I'm running for school board. 
But uh, besides being an engineer, I was a management consultant for almost 10 years. I had the opportunity to live and work in Johannesburg, South Africa, and London, England, before moving to Southern California. Moved my family to San Diego about 20 years ago. Joined Semper Energy, had a number of uh, roles there. But perhaps most uh, interesting to you and your audience is that I started the solar power industry for utility-scale solar. What that means is the giant solar plants you see out in the desert Mm -hmm. generate clean, renewable electricity. Started that industry about 10 years ago, and since then, almost a trillion dollars has been spent bringing solar power to the country. A trillion. And then after that, I was an entrepreneur and started software companies. So pretty varied career. Yeah. Wow. And uh, what made you decide to run for politics? Well, I think it was a recognition that really many elected officials don't listen to their constituents. Mm -hmm. Voters have told me that they feel like they're not being represented, that they really don't have a voice. That's why today, as I'm running for school board, for example, the number one complaint I hear from parents is that they don't have a voice, that they feel that there's a lack of transparency, that they can't be heard, that there's backroom deals, and they they just don't have the ability to, to be heard. So I... I ran and got into politics to try to change that. I'm a big believer in transparency and open government. Good Good for you. Good for you. You know, I wish everyone was like that. You know, um, you revolutionized the way people gather data and um, even potentially the way people vote by your innovative startup, Voterfied. Please tell us about it. Well, Voterfied is a software platform that I developed uh, during my run for Congress, which can best be thought of as an online voting platform. But instead of electing people to office, you're voting on issues. So the idea is to pose questions and let anyone who wants to vote on an issue give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Mm. One person, one vote. Run it just like an election. It can be anonymous. But instead of saying, here's who I vote for, how about questions like, how do I feel about uh, Common Core? Or how do I feel about... Uh, you know, other issues, uh, tax increases or the curriculum in schools. So then the official can look and see that I see my constituents are in favor of this or are against that in the spirit of giving people the voice. And the the idea is catching on and we're getting more and more customers. So I'm very proud of what we've been able to accomplish. That's That's amazing. Amazing. So I commend you for starting the school board race so early. And tell us a little bit about your district and some of the major issues you guys are facing. So it's the San Diego Union High School District. It's northern San Diego County. Okay. Uh, about uh, 13,000 students or so in a number of high schools and middle schools, over $135, $150 million budget. So it's a big uh, district, uh, generally well-performing. But some of the issues, of course, now the biggest issue that we face and that I'm getting an earful every day is about school reopening yeah. and how do we deal with the COVID crisis. I can tell you that most of the parents, many, a vast majority, in fact, of the parents I talk to are extremely anxious to get their kids back into school. Uh, Good news is that last week, uh, actually on the 1st of September, uh, San Diego has passed the, San Diego County has passed the requisite number of days to allow for school openings. One of the few counties in Southern California to meet that milestone. So now it's up to the board and up to the individual school districts. Do they want to open school for in-person learning or not? My own belief is that we should. Mm -hmm. And still offer a distance learning uh, option for families who are nervous. Look, everybody's different situation, right? Mm -hmm. You have young kids. We know this virus doesn't affect young kids like it does old people, um, older people. Listen, if two families, or two, sorry, two income families that right. need to work and have kids, they need to get their kids in school. Mm-hmm. On the mm-hmm. other hand, there may be families who are living with grandparents mm-hmm. or other susceptible people. Yeah. Listen, it's their choice. Nobody yeah, absolutely. for not sending their kids to school. But right now, parents who want to send their school don't have the kids, the kids to school don't have that option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah. an advocate for opening schools yeah. as soon as we safely can. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I agree with that completely. And also, Michael, what are your thoughts on the Common Core? The idea of everyone learning the same thing across the USA doesn't really seem in line with the diversity of the USA. All kids are different. What do you think? 
Well, we certainly do know that people learn in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Some people mm-hmm. learn in group environments better. Some like to read on their own. But uh, everyone does learn in a different way. And the priorities of the community are different depending on where you are in our country. So I believe that all of the education-related decisions should be pushed as close as possible as you can to the family. So I don't think the federal government should be involved really at all in our education policy. It should primarily be local, start with the school districts and the families and the parents. Maybe there can be some state and county influence, but I don't think it really helps anyone to have the federal government in the education business. It should be as close as we can make it to where all the important decisions are closest to the family. They mm-hmm. know what's best for them and their kids. Exactly. Yeah. You could not have said that better. <laughs> I know. It, it's just common sense. It makes sense. Yeah. You know, there have been discussions about indoctrination of children to various ideologies. What are your thoughts on um, hypersexualization, obsession with climate change, and exposure to philosophies in which there is no such thing as good and evil, just shades of gray? Well, there's a lot of topics in there. Um, first of all, I'd say that make no doubt that the school and the school system and the teachers and peers can have a very big impact on kids. Mm -hmm. So it is important what we teach them. Uh, You know, California did pass that uh, Healthy Youth Act Mm -hmm. uh, back in 2015, I Mm -hmm. think it was, that has generated a fair amount of opposition since it's been passed. And I think it's intensified this year with the framework really being up for uh, adoption. And I'm aware that hundreds of parents have protested uh, as recently as March over in different communities about uh, what will be taught in schools. Uh, Again, I think it needs to be as local as possible. We Mm -hmm. don't need people in Sacramento telling Mm -hmm. us how to teach our kids down here in San Diego. Yeah, thank you. Some of the most vocal opponents, of course, uh, look to certain aspects of the law, like lessons addressing the needs of the LGBTQ community. But I think most of the criticism that I've heard have come around some of the materials that have been uh, recommended for teaching at, and that really, in many people's views, isn't age-appropriate. Yes. Mm-hmm. There are certain books and other topics that we really shouldn't be teaching middle schoolers or even junior high schools. So again, I'd say the, um, the objective of having as much as we can, as close as we can to the parents in the local community is best. Now let me say about just a couple words about your Second point on the the, uh, climate change, for example, that falls under the the core ideas for middle and high school students in their next generation science standards. Uh, I'm a big environmentalist. Mm -hmm. I started the solar power industry, Mm -hmm. but there's some things that the primarily people on the left and the hard environmentalists have that they treat as uh, gospel when in fact there's plenty of room for discussion of how we optimize the climate. For example, one thing is we know for a fact that the richer we get as a nation, the more we'll be able to invest in our climate. Look at the third Mm -hmm. world countries around the world. You're going to ask someone in India or China to not eat in order that uh, they might have a couple solar panels? No. right? (laughs) Uh, But here we are in the world's most prosperous economy. We can afford clean air. Mm -hmm. I do think that much of the investment we're making in the decarbonization of society uh, is not optimal, to say the least. California is bearing the world's share, even though it contributes less than 1% of the carbon emissions. Let's face it, it's India and China that are Mm -hmm. the real problems. Absolutely. The carbon in our atmosphere, the CO2 in our atmosphere, doesn't care where it came from. California can do everything it wants, and it's not going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to be careful what we teach our kids and how we teach our kids. I, you know, let, let's not forget the basics. I'm running on a platform of the ABCs, uh, yeah. academic excellence and budget accountability and collaboration with the local environment. Let's stick to what's really important, reading, right. writing, arithmetic. I'd do economics before I did climate change. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. You know, so how do you propose that we increase parent participation in the education of our kids? Yeah, well, one thing is we need to make it easier for parents yes. to have a meaningful discussion with uh, work your way up from, with teachers, the administration, the superintendent, and the board of their local school districts and really have a good two-way dialogue. 
Right now, again, the biggest complaint that I hear from parents is that it's a one-way street and parents are frustrated. Mm -hmm. They get newsletters, they get push information from the administration, but they can't turn around and provide comments back. Mm -hmm. So we need to find a way to, parents are itching for participation. We need to make it easier for them to talk with the administration Absolutely. and the board. And I think we can do that. We, we've learned some of that, like, for example, through Zoom meetings and, and podcasts like we're having now. Mm-hmm. We can have well-organized group meetings where people feel and are, in fact, heard. That would be one of my objectives when I'm elected to the board. That's, that's mm-hmm. fantastic. I know. Love it. Um, so there's a lot of discussion regarding race issues. Is this a realistic problem that needs addressing, in your opinion? Well, look, the country is going through a lot of uproar now. We can't ignore it. I think when it comes to our schools, we have to encourage uh, uh, to be sensitive to the climate uh, that we have at the time at today. Mm-hmm. And I think the overall message should be respect for all, that instilling character and values, mm-hmm. this is what is important for our young people. It's got to be the first and foremost the obligation of uh, our families, of course, but the schools will have a big impact I think we need to make sure that we focus on that. That makes sense. We have a few moments left. Tell us how we can help you. Well, I am in a competitive race. Mm-hmm. I have a website that is Almond for School Board. That's A L L M A N F O R Schoolboard.com. And go there and sign up and donate to my campaign, please. It is the reality of the world we live in that to win elections, it takes resources. Mm-hmm, I can use every help I can get. If you can't afford uh, $50, then I'll take $10. If you want to volunteer instead of donate, love it. So please go to my website, support me on social media, like my page on Facebook, retweet what I tweet. It's all about name recognition, organization. Let's do it, guys. Let's, Let's get do it. All in for school it. board. Thank yes. you so Woo! much, Michael. Thank you. Okay. Best of luck to you Thanks in your race. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Welcome back to Family and Friends, and as promised, on the line with us is a dear friend of mine who is committed to treating every patient like family. He saved hundreds of lives of patients with who had no options. You know, giving it all he's got. Please welcome Ed Clay to the show. Welcome. Welcome, Ed. Hey, how's it going? Great. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Ed, you are a serial entrepreneur who has built a cancer hospital that offers hope where there is no hope and sometimes actual cures. You and your team have literally saved hundreds of lives of patients that otherwise would have had no hope. Please tell us about Chips, a hospital, and what makes you different. Oh, well, one thing I like to always clarify is uh, we, you know, I don't say that we cure patients. Um, we generally are able to extend life and um, you know, sometimes just you know, get amazing results. Uh, you know, a lot of what we do uh, is kind of like what the right to try legislation has been set up for now in the United States, uh, where in-stage patients are, are able to try uh, things that may not have been completely approved by the FDA yet, and uh, they're able to still you know, do them in Mexico. There's a lot of great immunotherapies that have, have come out of Mexico. Um, in 2011, uh, the Nobel Prize was given for immunotherapy for the dendritic cell. Mm-hmm. Uh, dendritic cells vaccines have been done since late 90s, early 2000s in Mexico. Uh, checkpoint inhibitors uh, won the Nobel Prize, James Allison, in 2018. And Mexico had been doing a, you know, a lot of different combinations of those for many years. So um, uh, Coley's toxins is another one. Uh, can't really patent Coley's toxins, but it's been around since the late 1800s, and uh, there's a lot of patents that have come off of that. But uh, um, there's, you know, if, you, if you read the immunotherapy textbooks, Coley's toxins uh, is considered like the father of immunotherapy. So... Uh, there's been a lot of great treatments that have been going on for a long time in Mexico. That's awesome. You know, so you've been pioneering the use of immunotherapy for many years. And when Jim Allison won the Nobel Prize for Immunotherapy of Cancer, was that a victory for the field? Absolutely. Um, you know, Franco Marancola is on our scientific advisory board in Mexico. He's the former chief of immunogenetics for the National mm-hmm. Institute of Health. And he, he wrote one of the main textbooks that oncologists use for 
immunotherapy for cancer. And he said, you know, what I did just 15 years ago wasn't considered real science. And, um, you know, for the longest time, mainstream science really bashed immunotherapy. The immune system had nothing to do with fighting cancer. And, uh, you know, that win in 2018 was a, a big victory for the entire field. James Allison's at MD Anderson. He's been a great research researcher for many, many years. Yeah. And so it was a great win for the field and uh, anybody who's, who's been involved in uh, immunology or immunotherapy. That's awesome. That was kind of your, like, stick it to the man moment. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, what's yeah, well, I, 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 like, I like the idea of building bridges and, you know, <clears throat> science should be rigid and strict. And, you know, so a lot of times they don't want to believe. Uh, but, um, you know, there's a time, it's like, you know, an idea whose time has come can't be stopped. Yeah. And that time is now. And so I'm really grateful or finally to the point I, I like to work with the man. Because a man can really uh, hold you back and hurt you if you don't. And um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy uh, that, that that was finally uh, it's being accepted. Nice. <laughs> um, what, stimulated, what stimulated you to get into the cancer hospital business? Yeah, so I was a professional fighter, uh, mixed martial arts fighter. My martial arts gym was one of the largest in the United States. I had a clothing line. We were the largest supplier of Brazilian jiu-jitsu martial arts uniforms in the world. And I sold those. And um, my mom was sick. Mm. And we didn't have any more answers left in the United States. And mm-hmm. I'd read a study from like 1923 on Coley's toxins for rheumatoid arthritis. And she has a rare form. Uh, she was in a wheelchair. Uh, she had failed all standard of care medications. There was nothing left for her. She broke her back in a short fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had multiple staph infections. She got tuberculosis, all oh, side effects terrible. of the medications. Uh. And so I read this study and there was one hospital in Mexico that had it. So uh, we figured out it, it had closed two years before. Um, we found the owner and bought the hospital from him. My mom was our second patient. She came in a wheelchair, and she left three weeks later walking. That's amazing. And she's, um, her, all of her blood work is still uh, in the normal range today. So amazing. that she was really the catalyst of that. The hospital had done, primarily done cancer therapy before and, you know, with alternative methods. And, you know, coming from a mixed martial arts background, it's about what works and what doesn't work. And mm-hmm. so I, I saw some patients getting better. Uh, with alternative therapies after they'd felt all standard of care. So then everything they could in America, they come to us, but I still saw patients dying. And so I always say, let's build, build bridges and not walls, how we work mm-hmm. together. And uh, started reaching out to great scientists uh, like Dr. Franco Marincola and doing trials and really working with the scientific community and realizing we have a lot more in common than against each other. Instead of throwing giant stones from the alternative side to the conventional side and vice versa, it's like, how do we work together? And that was really uh, you know, the catalyst that, that, that did that. That's right. Awesome. You know, what were your biggest challenges in building the hospital to what it is today? Um, gosh, the biggest challenges. Well, you know, it, it, things can get a little complicated in Mexico, uh, just like anywhere. So it's, mm-hmm. it's that whole set of, set of things. We actually moved in the hospital the first six months so we could know every single thing about wow. it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was basically just the, the most difficult part is finding the very best treatments, like what treatments can possibly work the best for patients that don't have any more options that have already filled everything that most people know that are out there. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's still the biggest challenge because we still don't have, you know, the, the perfect answer. I mean, the, you know, cancer survival stage four solid tumors across the board is probably less than 15% for five years still. And, you know, that's the best conventional, mm-hmm. and we can do better than that. So it's really finding those treatments in combination. I think it's going to be combination therapy that is going to be the answer. So finding the best combinations of treatment is probably the most difficult thing. You know, so on the radio show today, we're talking about education. You know, please tell us about how your educational background contributed to your success. Well, I mean, my educational background was, was more in mixed martial arts fighting. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to fight, and then I, and I built a, a big team. And so I guess the education of learning how to be a professional coach on a high level when there's mm-hmm. lots of cameras and things like that, uh, lots of people watching, uh, getting people to perform at the highest level, mm-hmm. realizing that, uh, you know, to do big things, you've got to take big risks and, you know, really just go for it ultimately. And... Um, you know, so it's, it's more like the school of hard knocks per se. Uh, it's a great but, school. Um, it is a great school. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it, it's a great, yeah, you're right. It's a great school. <laughs> and, um, you know, you just, uh, but I think that the whole idea of really working hard and knowing that if, as long as you're doing your best and giving 110%, 
um, you know, whether you win or lose, you're a champion. And we've really kind of taken that approach into what we're doing in Mexico. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, Mr. Ed Clay, since you're such an amazing person, I would love to know who were your mentors? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> no pressure, Ed. No, no pressure. pressure. <laughs> oh, no, I think, you know, Frank Omar I, I consider a mentor. Um, I was talking about him earlier, uh, former chief of immunogenetics for the National Institute of Health. Um, he's a, an, an amazing guy. Um, a guy named Ed O'Keefe, uh, Lloyd Irvin, mm-hmm. um, Roddy Ferguson, uh, a, lot, a lot of fighter uh, guys that were, were more like into the mental aspect of how to really stay focused and, and those type of things. Um, and yeah, they, they've all had a big ask, uh, you know, a, a big, uh, part in my life. And a, a lady named Robin Williams, who has a place called Choice Center in Las Vegas as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So what three attributes do you believe are needed for success in business? And please give examples of how these attributes allowed you to have the success you have. Oh gosh, three attributes. Um, well, I, I would say the most important, I mean, is, is, to me, it's just not quitting. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. You know, people who fail, they 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 generally fall because they quit. <laughs> I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a time where you can't go any further. Right. But I mean, most of the time, you can push yourself much further than you think. And most of the time, when I see people that aren't successful, it's because they quit too soon. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's the number one thing is having that desire to not give up. And you know, uh, what else attributes to be successful? Working really hard. Mm-hmm. That's you know, a good one. I know, right? Yeah, Lloyd, Lloyd <laughs> Irvin. Pot all day. Yeah. Talent refuses to work hard. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a big one. You know, just really, really working hard and uh, not giving up. And gosh, a third, I would say, you know, being honest and a good person, like mm-hmm. really wanting the best for people. Yes. You know, that's that's something that people look at business people, and I think they think, oh, they, you know, they're just out for money. Well, I always say patience before profits. We mm-hmm. always say patience before profits, mm-hmm. and it, it really is putting other people first, like giving to people, mm-hmm. loving people. Those right. type, it, it's underrated, but I think that it's maybe the most important. So. Those are, those are three good attributes, I think. I like those. Those I are know. good. I like it, too. So what are the three negative thoughts that inhibit people from achieving success in business, you know, or life? And how do you think we could overcome those? Mm-hmm. Gosh, negative thoughts. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the, the whole idea of I, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I just can't do that. Like, immediately, like, a lot of people get into these, like, repetitions where they immediately tell themselves they can't do something because they don't think they're good enough or whatever. So really just getting that out of, out of your head, right? mm-hmm. believing in yourself. It really is, you know, thinking before you think, before you allow yourself to have a bad thought, like think, wait, do I really want to think that? Or, or is that just my nerd that is, you know, holding me back? Right. Oh, I like you know, that. We get, to, we get to kind of choose our thoughts a lot of times. So I think that you really got to, you know, not allow those negative thoughts, especially during COVID. I mean, this has been brutal for everybody. I, I don't know anybody really, that hasn't felt the pain at some time. Mm-hmm. We're all hurting, you know, black, white, Asian, no matter what, we're all hurting. Yes. We're all feeling pain right now. And I think we need to acknowledge that and say, hey, you know what? This is not normal. Like, we're not okay with just allowing this to happen, but we, to get through it, we, we've got to be able to shift and be positive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, not allow this negative energy or whatever it is to overtake our lives and to fill our, you know, hearts with anger. Because I think that's what we're seeing right now across the world. And I, I think that, you know, we, we, we get to overcome that by shifting our perspective and what we think is, is, is normal and acknowledging that we're all going through it so we can really shift it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as someone involved in hiring of people, do you believe that the educational system is succeeding or failing? Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Well, that's a, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, I think, gosh... From my perspective, uh, people, younger people, are kind of soft. Mm-hmm. So soft in the way they, they, they can't take constructive criticism uh, in many ways. Mm-hmm. They have problems taking constructive criticism. They're, they're told that everybody gets a trophy. Um, you know, it's, it's a, the younger generation, I do not believe, is being taught well right. at all when it comes to how to be a good employee or a good entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Absolutely. think it's, 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 it's backwards. It's like upside down world right now. Yes. I, I completely, agree completely agree. I know. I know. Yeah. You know, we have a couple moments, a few moments left. Any last words you'd like to say to our listeners? I guess just, you know, 
in these crazy times, do your best, give a hundred percent and, uh, you know, realize that if we, you know, we really are all in this together, but mm-hmm. it's up to us to realize that we want to work together to, to get through this. I like mm-hmm. that. I so do I. Very true. It is. And it's thank you so much, Ed, for being part of the show. You're awesome, Ed. Yeah. Thank, yeah, you, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for everything me. you do. Yes. Everything yeah. you do. Uh, all right. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good day. You, you too. too. You too. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Pamela Ramos. You know, I'll tell you what we need, or what we don't need. We don't need indoctrination. <laughs> we don't need our thoughts controlled. No political agendas in the classroom. Hey, commies, leave our kids alone. <laughs> you know, you're listening to Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego, and that was Another Brick in the Wall by Pink Floyd. Great song. Mm-hmm. I'm way too young to know about the oldies. Oh, you hush before someone drops a house on you. Children, children, this is a Christian radio station. Please behave. Okay. (laughs) No, I read somewhere on a deeper level, the teacher in that song actually represents the government and the students are the people. And the government doesn't let people do what they want and the government wants to control everyone. Hmm, You know, I can totally see that now. Total (laughs) communists. Yeah, I know, right? But anyway, I loved how our guests tonight were not only great Republicans, but such strong pillars of the community. We need more Republicans in office. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it seems like the only ones, they're the only ones who have sense, common sense. Of course. Aren't Democrats mostly career politicians (laughs) that do nothing in the world except (laughs) gossip, create drama, and act quote-unquote, politically. <laughs> you know, the best example of that is Trump versus Biden. Trump is a billionaire who never ran for political office. And the first time he, run, he ran, he became president. Yes. Meanwhile, career politician Biden has done nothing for the people. Oh, come on. Yes, he has, <laughs> Pamela. Don't be mean. He sniffed and groped oh every female he's ever come across. <laughs> oh, don't forget oh he made his son rich. Yeah. You know, the consulting fees and the piece of action cuts that Hunter Biden received from Ukraine and China c- contracts is in the tens, if not hundreds of millions. I mean, completely unbelievable, yeah. insane. You know, you expect that kind of behavior from a, a Nigerian warlord, not the son of a U.S. you know um, vice president. Yeah. Did you notice at the conventions how Trump's family was there in support, but Biden's son was not at the Democratic convention? <laughs> no. You know, I loved how Karma, 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 Kamala, chameleon <laughs> responded to Trump's speech instead of Biden. I mean, how pathetic is that? We all know that Biden is a pawn for Harris. Uh, you mean George Soros? I mean, well, Harris is a chameleon. <laughs> She'll eventually morph into Soros. <laughs> yeah, it's been a crazy year. I don't think anything would surprise me. So, Famla, since the show touches on education, what do you think the solution to indoctrination will be? You know, creating, hiring, retaining the best teachers, right? Yeah. I mean, the most awesome teachers, which includes parents, yes. mentors, and other knowledgeable adults, teach students in the methods of thought to evaluate an argument properly, to critically th- think, to find actual solutions to problems. I mean, Common Core paralyzes people by promoting revelative. You know, the famous Catholic teacher, St. Augustine, stated in his piece called On Christian Doctrine, back when indoctrination was about teaching, not brainwashing, that inclusion of pagan learning in Christian education, trusting the rational faith of Christian scholar to handle it properly is a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, he said that Christianity will logically emerge as a truth if properly discussed together with other religions. I mean, the only problem is in, in schools is that they don't teach Christian faith, right? Yes. They don't do that. You know, if um, if we if people want to pass on their ideas to the next generation, they should focus on building up logic, not just giving them the right text to read or the TV shows to watch. I mean, the goal should be to understand the reason, not follow the signals of the right tribe. You know, you know, didn't your best friend Bill Gates push for <laughs> Common Core indoctrination? The Gates Foundation spent a ton of money, including taxpayer dollars, on this failed project. I mean, at least Gates admitted it failed miserably. <laughs> Only because that communists wants to, they, the communists, they want to kick up demonic inspiration up a notch. Right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, God save us from this demon. I mean, what's next? Force vaccination and tracking of children? Yes. <laughs> well, with that, we're ready to wind down. So go ahead and grab yourselves a glass of warm milk or a hottie toddy. Our Dear Diary segment begins now. 
your diary, we're standing at a crossroads of the Western civilization. It's been said that empires decay and eventually fall. The Greeks, the Romans, the Persians, the British, all of the empires who changed and left their mark on the world fell into obscurity. Will the same happen to the American empire? Why did these empires fall? You know, empires fall because of lost morals. When morals are gone, the love of country is gone, ensuring corruption. With corruption comes betrayal. And with betrayal, the country is sold for pennies on the dollar to its enemies. Is the American empire on the verge of collapse? No. This concept has been brought up on many times with COVID, with the instigation of racial fighting. But even with all this, I don't believe that this is the end of the empire. We all know this is some Democrat-induced hysteria to overthrow the president. <laughs> I mean, that said, I do believe that the seeds have been sowed to destroy our empire. These are the seeds that will destroy whole generations. These seeds include poor education, the systemic dumbing down of our students, which programs them on what to think rather than how to think so they can become slaves of the system, a system that will bring down America and sell it to the globalists like Soros. You know, they attack our kids by forcing an excessive obsession with climate change and an imaginary imminent death of Mother Earth. <laughs> they continually revise history and make children feel ashamed instead of proud. And they brainwash them with relativism so that there is no black or white, good or evil, male or female. You know, they prey on the innocence of children, including early grade school kids. I mean, I've heard my own daughter tell me, Mother Earth is dying and corporations are evil. Whoa. She actually said that. And, and the only way to save Mother Earth is to unite against them. But seriously, who doesn't want to preserve our planet? Democrats aren't the only ones that care about the environment, please. I'm, globalist puppet masters are teaching kids to hate adults. I mean, we've heard Greta Thunberg screaming and crying hysterical nonsense about how adults need to be ashamed of themselves. I mean, we heard people shouldn't have kids because the earth is going to die. I mean, these thought processes come from actresses like um, Lisa Milano, a has-been, mm -hmm. politicians like AOC, university professors, and so-called intellectuals. While we all must work against climate change and pollution, we need to realize that the way forward is through corporate innovations, not through killing babies and the el elderly or hating previous generations or selling out to the globalists. You know, another way kids are being indoctrinated is through relative, uh, revisionism of history. You know, America is great and special. This is what children should be taught. In full strength, the anti-Americanism started with Obama when he came up with the concept of America leading from behind. This was shameful and it made America the laughing stock of the world. Remember when he declared, if Syria uses chemical weapons, we should smother, we'll smother them? Yes. Yeah, and he did nothing when he mur they murdered their own people. You know, and remember when he released billions to Iran only to have Iran laugh at us and continue developing these bombs. You know, remember when his administration let four Americans die in Benghazi with no retribution and no one was held account accountable? I mean, while all this was going on, the seeds were just being planted for teaching Amer uh, kids in America that America is not special. America is just another country. Well, now, in the curriculums, instead of praising America for being the only Western country that had a black president, they're teaching kids that America is racist and born out of slavery. There's no mention of which party started the KKK or slavery because they don't fit the narrative. They want to teach children that America is not the land of opportunity and that it's okay to suck money from people who already made money as opposed to creating wealth for yourself. Now, we get to my favorite, Common Core, <laughs> which states that all literature is equal. You know, you read what you want to read, which is wrong, because there are works of art that possess inherent value, just like there is such thing as success and failure. Common Core aims to make everyone the same to forget great works. Like one of my favorite books, Margaret Mitchell's Gone with the Wind, to make everyone think that everything is good and there is no evil. They want to teach that there is no male or female, that there is no winning or losing. Everything is relative, which makes life meaningless and godless. The only meaning that life has if everything is relative is the meaning that the media and the school give you. The breakdown of the family is ensured and strong beliefs are erased, making the mind a blank slate for brainwashing to occur. You know, I'm running for school board to stand up to these globalist agendas. I'm running to stop these obsessions with climate change, hatred for corporations that are the engine of America. I'm running to stop these monsters from stealing the great history of America. And I'm running to push for our schools to continue teaching that there is a good and evil. There is right and wrong. I'm running to bridge the gap through communication, transparency, and most importantly, family values. You know, I'm so excited about you running this time. I love that you ran for Congress and that you stand up for what you believe in, no matter what level of office. Pamela for family. <laughs> yes, I love that. And a lot of <laughs> and a lot of people are afraid to stand up for what they believe in. So good for you, family. Thank you. You know, running for office is definitely an experience. It's about commitment and drive to make a world the world a better place, starting with our communities. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the proposed testing and tracking they want to do for the school district in Chula? 
You know, it's important to keep everyone safe, the children, parents, the staff, but I don't get periodic. I don't think that it's the best way to go, this periodic testing. I mean, the tests aren't even accurate, you know, and I don't want some biotech company repeatedly testing my, my child and having, you know, my child's information. What are they going to do with that? You know, look at it this way. If a child is exposed to the coronavirus, it takes several days from exposure to get a positive result. So does this even make sense to have these widespread tests? You know, I'm worried about invasion of privacy issues. What do you mean, like the Patriot Act? You sound like a commune. Uh, Communist. <laughs> uh, not. The government should not have the right to throw Americans in jail without a criminal trial. And they shouldn't be able to listen in on any conversation randomly. That sounds like 1984. What happened in 1984? <laughs> <laughs> Young Padawan. <laughs> 1984 is a book about the government taking over society and stealing people's freedoms like they're doing right now. Yes. Oh, I love that book. <laughs> it's funny. Liberals actually think that Trump's administration is turning the U.S. into the society described in 1984. Ugh. And supposedly sales of that book doubled when Trump won the election. You know, in any case, the power elite used the tragedy of 9-11 to take our freedoms away. And now they're trying to use coronavirus to track our kids. I'm not having any of it, guys. It's not crazy, it. crazy. And, you know, the CDC is introducing guidelines about keeping kids overnight at schools in an emergency, probably under the guise of quarantining. I don't know. But while the, the, this just may be rumors, sometimes r- rumors have a kernel of truth behind them, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. this is an example of the state literally taking our kids away from us. You know, I've heard that back in the days of the plague, they would take the kids out of certain villages saying that they were protecting them from sickness. In reality, they would take the kids and sacrifice them. Oh, crazy. You know, our jobs, our responsibilities are to protect the children. They are the most precious asset of society. And as the great Whitney Houston saying, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead away. Okay, you guys weren't even singing along with me. I'm sorry. No fun. So with that, I want to end in prayer. Dear God, I thank my friends, my supporters, um, the voters who have been there for me, who have been my inspiration. I thank you for Paula Witzel, who asked me to run in the school board election. It's because of people like Paula, who always think about the big picture and who play 3D chess against the evil Democrats, that the political machinery continues working. Almighty Lord, please protect the classrooms, which should be safe places for children. Jesus, protect the children and help teachers, administrators, and law enforcement officers remain vigilant against violence, help them create an environment where students can learn and flourish. Lastly, Jesus, please send your spirit um, upon us, our campaign, the voters, the donors, and our opponents so that we are constantly reminding, reminded that we are doing all of this for you and for the little ones that you entrusted in our care. Guide us during this time of lies, uncertainty, and deceit. We ask you for your blessings and help. Amen. 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 So on another note, does anyone have any political jokes? <laughs> I got a good one. Go. So what's the most progressive thing about Joe Biden? What? His <laughs> dementia. <laughs> I've got a joke. What? Nancy Pelosi. She is a joke. That's it. That's I know. Joke. I know. That's it. How about you, producer Todd? Any jokes? Unfortunately, I have no political jokes. Okay. Okay. Ooh. What about right. any regular jokes? No, no clean ones. That I, oh. that I, <laughs> same. Same. Oh, I got oh. one more. Have you heard about McDonald's new Obama value meal? Mm-hmm. What is it? Order anything you like, and the guy behind you has to pay for it. <laughs> oh, <thank God. laughs> oh, here. Here. If con is the opposite of pro, then is Congress the opposite of progress? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I hope we're cracking all of you I up, know, guys. I know. I know. I know. We all like cheesy here. <laughs> the NSA, a government organization that actually listens to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Or how many Democrats does it take to change a light bulb? None. They only talk about change. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, my God. That about does it for tonight. Remember, no topic is off the table. This is Pamela Ramos signing out. Good night and God bless. Good night and God Good bless, night, guys. Thank you for joining us for the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear on Pamela and Friends. To learn more about Pamela Ramos, how to be a guest or sponsor on the show, visit FamilaandFriends.com. Tune in at this same time every week for more Pamela and Friends on The Answer San Diego. 